ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port on WDAY, 701-293-9000, your local number, 888-970-9329 is your toll-free number. Later on the show, we're going to have on uh, State Representative Roscoe Striley from Minot. He's on the House Appropriations Committee. Uh, this week, the a joint session of the Appropriations Committees uh, approved a new uh, fiscal forecast for the state. Uh, it dropped numbers down significantly from what Governor Jack Dalrymple used for his budget. Uh, both lawmakers and new Governor Doug Burgum, uh, in fact, Doug Burgum said on this show that the, you know, the Dalrymple's uh, fiscal outlook, uh, revenue outlook, was a little too rosy. So they they made some adjustments. We'll talk with him about what that and what it means for the budget. Also, Roscoe's got some uh, legislation uh, he wants to pass that would curtail the number of oil spills reported in the state, or, or not not just oil spills, but spills in general reported in the state, which I, I imagine at first blush is going to get people, some people wrapped around the axle. Uh, but one thing to keep in mind, North Dakota basically requires reporting of, of industrial spills of, of all of them. Um in, in fact, far more exacting than the federal standard. Uh, the federal standard currently is if it's if you spill ten uh, less than ten barrels and it's entirely contained, you don't have to report it. Uh, North Dakota, you do have to report it. Uh, he's going to change that. I mean, we're at the point. I wrote a post about this uh, this morning. I mean, we're at a point where this North Dakota Department of Health is reporting freshwater spills. I mean, ju- in December, the North Dakota Department of Health reported that Continental Resources spilled 2,400 barrels of fresh water. Now, I don't, I, I, I'm, listen, I, I am pro-energy development, uh, but I also think that if, if we spill something, it ought to be reported, the public ought to be aware of it, we ought to track that data so that we can make public policy accordingly. That's all important stuff. Uh, I am not, however, in favor of inflating spill counts, right? Because every time there's a spill, you know, we hear about, uh, you know, these national media reports or whatever of all these spills that happen in North Dakota. Uh, you know, these, these spills that have zero environmental impact, either because we're spilling something that's completely benign like fresh water or we're, we're, it's a spill that's completely contained or it's tiny. Um, I don't think we should be inflating the numbers, right? I, I, I think that I think it gives us a false view of the oil spill issue here in North Dakota. I don't think it's helpful. Anyway, Representative Striley's bill sets out to uh, address that. We'll talk about that with him coming up at 1.30. Plus your phone call, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email me, talk at WDAY.com. Uh, one interesting, until you, you'll remember from the 2016 cycle, North Dakotans voted uh, overwhelmingly and, and surprisingly, I didn't think they would do this, uh, voted for medical marijuana. It it's part of the law, um, which I'm, I'm fine with. I don't, you know, my, my nitpicking was that it was, it's too bureaucratic. I wish we had done it a little bit better. Uh, interestingly, a bill before the legislative session uh, introduced by Representative Kaiser of Bismarck is uh, would prevent North Dakota's workers' comp from covering medical marijuana treatments uh, and would also prevent it from uh, covering any lost wages related to the use of medical marijuana. Um, and I, a part of me thinks, you know, on, on one hand, I mean, obviously North Dakota voters voted because they want marijuana treated 
as a valid medical treatment, right? I mean, that's I I I think I think we can all agree that's what the 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 large majority of of North Dakotans want, uh, and I I'm fine with that. I'm not sure it was something that I would ever use personally, but uh, you know, I'm fine with people making that decision for themselves. So, you know, I'm not sure. In, in, I mean, if we're, if we're going to treat marijuana as a medicine, and, and this is what bothered me with the, ori- with the original initiated measures. If you read that measure, you went through, we have now put in state law specific examples of when medical marijuana can be prescribed by doctors, right? Because that's the thing is you got to have a physician prescribe it. So, you know, we, we've now got in law, you know, what sort of things it can be used for. And I don't, that scared me a little bit. That's one of the things I didn't like about the law because I don't think, I mean, if, if we're going to agree that medical marijuana is a, is a valid treatment, then why should it be up for the state when it's used? You know, I mean, it, it's not like we're talking about some like, you know, exotic psychotropic drug here or something. Um, it's, it's pot. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think we needed to, needed to put into the state code all, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a limiting list of all the situations that can, in which it can be used. I don't think that was helpful. So in, in some ways, I'm not so sure that the organizers of the ballot measure didn't open their doors, you know, didn't open the door to this sort of regulation by the legislature where, you know, if, if we're already going to dictate, you know, uh, what circumstances medical marijuana can be used under, I guess we could come in and say, well, workers' comp's not going to cover it. Um you know, so that, I mean, that to me is problematic. Um, you know, we, we've still got uh, an issue with the Department of Health where it's a, it's, it's a huge appropriation to the Department of Health. I remember that was included in Governor Dalrymple's budget. I guess we'll see what the legislature and or Governor Burgum's going to do with it. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. Uh, the, the medical marijuana measure was, was hugely complicated. Uh, it's going to be a lot of money to implement it because it sets in place a lot of guidelines um, even up to if, if you're going to run a dispensary, I mean, it's, it's regulated in there that you've got to have video cameras. You've got to have, uh, you know, you got to be X number of feet away from a school or a park. You've got to be, um, you know, it's, 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 you can't even use like any pesticides or anything on it. Right. So it's going to be like organic pot. It's, I don't know. I mean, it's somebody's going to have to have to regulate all of that, you know, so we've got to hire people for the state and we've got to pay them and we've got to, you know, buy them equipment and everything. I mean, that all costs money and part of me is thinking this and and this is my question for the audience because obviously north dakotans are okay with medical pot right i think that 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 exposes a a willingness to legalize marijuana that a lot of people maybe wouldn't have guessed exists in north dakota and i'm happy to see it because the measure was so bureaucratic and because Because, um, you know, we were, you know, the legislature is going to have to grapple with this. Do you think that we ought to, do you think that we ought to just legalize marijuana? That's my question for you. Is it time, could the legislature, you know, save itself a lot of time and money and save ourselves a lot of headaches with the medical marijuana bill if we just, full-on legalized recreational marijuana for whatever use you want to use it for. If you want to use it to treat, um, you know, some 
disease or, or I guess, pain or whatever, you could do that. Or if you just want to use it recreationally, like drinking a beer, you can do that. Should we do that? And I, I think we should. Honestly, um, I, I think the medical marijuana bill is a disaster just in terms of policy. I think it's going to be very so difficult to implement, so costly to implement. I think it would be better for the state to just go the other way. Let's just legalize marijuana. Of course, presuming that we would do that without adding a bunch of bureaucracy. I mean, we look at other states where they've legalized it and added in a bunch of bureaucracy. So I don't know. That's my question for you. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. I see we got a caller from Tom, uh, but I want to take a break so we make sure we got plenty of time for Tom. So let's take a break. Tom, hold on the line. We'll get to you in just a moment. Uh, more to come straight ahead here on The Rob Report. Once again, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port, here on WDAY, 701-293-9000, We've been talking a little bit about medical marijuana. My question for you is, should we, I, I, I think implementing medical marijuana is going to be a pain. I think we ought to just go full-on legalization. What do you think? 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. I think Tom wants to talk about something else. Tom wants to talk about uh, an article I wrote for the abolition of municipal courts. I'm not sure that one was mine, Tom. I think that was a guest contributor. But uh, what's, your, what's your question? Well, my name is Tom Govan. I'm a municipal court judge for Valley City. And okay. I'm also a member of the executive board of the North Dakota Municipal Judges Association. And I would just like to respond to that blog briefly, you know, by opposing it, saying that, you know, we are, the municipal courts are an integral part of the judicial system in North Dakota. And and we are allowed to be created by the state constitution, and we just enforce city ordinances. Our monies go into into the general fund. They do not go into specific... Items such as you know funding this salary or that salary. So I I I, I think one of the arguments and, and and the post you're referring to was actually written by uh, an attorney by the name of Mark Fries who is with the Vogel Law Firm. He submitted a guest post uh, to the blog, but I think one of his points that that I found intriguing at at the at the state level, um, fines levied by district courts go into the common schools trust fund, and one of the reasonings behind that is that we don't end up. Uh, I guess engaged in a situation where we're policing for profit, where uh, you know the, the state is is profiting or or getting revenue from ticket. We're putting that in the common schools trust fund that's dedicated directly through K through 12 schools. So the state doesn't have a, a you know a direct financial incentive to go out and and you know have like I don't know traffic quotas or something like that. At the municipal court level, as you just as you just said. It goes into a general fund, and I guess to me, that that maybe represents a conflict of interest. But here's the catch on it: by by a state supreme court case a couple of years ago, anyone that is cited for a traffic offense can.
carrying a fine of $20 or more has a right to go to district court for a jury trial. Yeah. So nobody's rights are really being infringed upon here. And, and the municipal courts take the load off the district courts. We're uh, kind of a court of first instance, and we're closer to the people and have more contact with the people. I mean, most of us that are municipal judges have other occupations besides this, and so we deal with these people in our communities on a regular basis. And I just feel that uh, no one's getting shortchanged by going to a municipal court, and if they want to take their case to district court, uh, they can. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm 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 willing to. I I think it's something worth having a debate and a discussion about it. I think in some ways it seems maybe a little bit duplicative, a little bit redundant. Um, and I I feel like maybe we could get away with if if we expand the district courts a little bit, do away with the municipal courts. I I don't know. I mean, I I don't I don't know that I have the solution for it. I thought no. Mr. Freeze's piece, you know, brought some some thought thought provoking issues the to the service. And I, in sorry. recent years has reduced the number of the district courts. And yeah. every time there's a vacancy, they, the Supreme Court has to review whether or not to fill that vacancy or do away with that court. Yeah, maybe we ought to be going in the other direction. So I just wanted to call and express my my view on this. And, and the Supreme Court has us, all of us in the state, go to a uh, conference or a seminar on a yearly basis and they, you know, give us uh, continuing education, and even the non-law trained judges um, are kept abreast of the most recent developments of the law. And uh, in a lot of the rural counties, you know, the criminal matters might, some of them might go to the district courts anyways, and they would yeah. just deal with the traffic offenses in their towns. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I, I know there's going to be, be a debate in the legislature, probably over, uh, you know, uh, you know, something related to this, where we have, you know, campus police departments in their jurisdiction, and there was a, a Supreme Court case uh, about campus uh, police officers patrolling off of campus, and I think the legislature is going to address that. And uh, you know, I, it's an interesting thing because I, I, I think. I think we have some duplication. I, I think there's some room for some some streamlining. But I, I certainly appreciate your input and, and your thoughts, Tom. Thanks for the call. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. 701-293-9000, I guess we're just completely off the uh, – I was going to talk about marijuana, and I guess we're just completely off that topic. We're off the I, grid. I, th- I do think – I think sometimes we get carried away. I, listen, we, we have a new governor who has come in who has said that he wants to reinvent government. He wants to streamline government. He wants to make government more efficient and better to, be, better serve us. And I, and I think in, in the criminal justice system in our state, there are two glaring ways that we could do this. One, I do think that we could look at municipal courts and ask ourselves if there's not a conflict of interest uh, in, in you know those fines going into uh, going into general funds for the city as opposed to uh, maybe going into something like what the state has with the Common Schools Trust Fund. Uh, I think there's a question, maybe we could beef up our district courts uh, and just get rid of the municipal courts. I think those are I think those are questions that are worth asking. I'm not saying that we should 100% do them. I think we should have a debate about it, though. I think we should explore it. The other thing is the campus police department. So we had a big 
uh, to do. The, the North Dakota Supreme Court came down and said that basically it is illegal for uh, for campus police officers to be patrolling off of campus. And, and what that resulted in, because campus police forces, which which typically have in at NDSU, for instance, have you know, they have an agreement with the city of Fargo. Uh, you know, and basically Fargo is getting to keep a lot of the fines that those campus police departments are, are writing. Uh, so the city of Fargo is getting all that revenue from the fines, but the people paying for the existence of those campus cops is coming through the university system budget. So that is the state taxpayer. So the stats, the state's picking up the expenses for the police department and the city of Fargo is getting the revenue in exchange for the city of Fargo I guess having they, they had a, a memorandum of understanding uh, that was allowing the campus cops to patrol off off campus. Um, this is all. I mean, this seems very duplicative to me. I don't understand why university, why college campuses need to have their own their own uh, police department. Um, you know, I mean, t- t- these these campuses are already surrounded by existing law enforcement agencies be they municipal be they county be they state you know and and what happens is you create a police department on the campus and all of a sudden now you've got to have a whole new command structure right you've got uh you've got a chief of police you've got all the administrative personnel you've got all the training you've got all the equipment there's already a city of fargo police department there's already a cass county sheriff's department i don't understand if we need sworn officers on campus and maybe we do if we need sworn officers on campus, I don't understand why we can't hire those people into those existing departments, have them operate under the existing command structures, have them operate with the existing uh, uh, equipment that's already there, and operate that way, you know, instead of giving the campuses their own police departments. It seems redundant, you know. I, I And, again, I think these are the conversations we ought to be having. Doug Burgum has challenged the state of North Dakota, and I think it's good. I think it's... I hesitate to use the word visionary because it gets thrown around a lot, but I, I think it's great. I think it's a healthy thing. He has challenged the state of North Dakota to rethink, reinvent government. And if we're going to do that, then these are the sort of areas that we need to look at because I think we could save some significant amounts of money. I think that we could reduce the state's payroll. I think there's a lot of stuff we could do if, if we get creative with stuff like this and we ask ourselves, do we really need to have a whole separate police department on a college campus that's in a city that already has a police department. I don't think we do. Now, the people who work at the at these campus police departments or the people who maybe get the revenue that those officers exist, they're going to fight it. But, again, I think our governor has challenged us to aspire to something a little bit better than that. More to come straight ahead. State Representative Roscoe Striley is going to be on the show next. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Don't go away. Good afternoon. Rob Port uh, here, WDAY, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. You want to join the program. 
My guest now is uh, State Representative Roscoe Striley. He's a Republican from Minot. He's on the House Appropriations Committee. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple things. He's got some legislation on reporting oil spills that we're going to get about uh, get to in a moment. Uh, but first, I wanted to talk to him a little bit about the state's uh, revenues. Roscoe, thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rob. You guys voted on a uh, a bit of a downgrade to the state's uh, revenues. Tell us what you guys did. Yeah, we reduced the current biennium by about $67 million in sales tax, which I think was prudent because we've, uh, we've seen the data, and it's, right. I don't know that we've bounced back on that yet. got lowered yeah. the price of oil to $48. Yeah, we and we've still got about six months left in the current biennium. We got to remember too. So, yep, exactly. So this is a prudent move. Move. It was a conservative move. It it made a lot of sense, and uh, uh, it did pass out of House appropriations unanimously. So, um, yeah, that'll be the revised forecast, and then it also included a, a change to the next biennium's forecast as well. And what what were those changes like? I mean, what, how's that? Because I mean, obviously that's the big one. That's uh, 2017, 2019 biennium. What um, what changes are we looking at for the next two years? Yeah, and then keep in mind, we'll also be getting another forecast uh, February March. That will be the final forecast before we head out of Bismarck. But uh, what this one did is it reduced oil revenue uh, by $326 million, and then various other buckets like sales tax by 146 uh, income tax by 19 So it, it scaled it back um, from the December forecast. And like I said, it's not the final forecast. It'll be another one too. But this was the right thing to do, and what it put it puts us in a situation where we need we need to cut uh, between three hundred fifty and four hundred million from these budgets in the next you, uh, for the next biennium. And when you say cut from these budgets, is that from the previous biennium budget? Is that before or after the allotments we saw over the last year or so? What what when you say that amount, what are we cutting from? That would be from the legislative budgets. Uh, there's Governor Dalrymple's budget, which uh, I'm not in favor of using, and I, I think the, what we'll end up using is the House's budget and the Senate, which is after the allotment process, is the base, whereas so, his budget, you know, was based on not the allotments. So those cuts, I mean, we're, we're, I mean, obviously there's, <laughs> we still got months of work to do on this that's going to decide it, but I mean, right now, where's it looking like those cuts are going to come from? Well, I mean, the big budgets, uh, you know, uh, higher ed is a big budget. Um, Department of Human Services is a big budget. Um, you know, and then there's the question of do we transfer $200 million from the Bank of North Dakota profits? Uh, I would argue that we shouldn't transfer that much. It should be less than that. Um, and then we've got, you know, the issue with uh, social services takeover. That's a big issue. That's a $300 million issue. So there's a couple, obviously, a lot of moving parts, and no decisions have been made at this point. We're just hearing the budget overviews. But it's a tall task. Uh, there's no question about it. And there's going to be, you know, we're going to have, I'm, I'm in favor of eliminating at least 1,000 uh, state jobs. Uh, real quick, and this is, I, I think this is, is probably almost sort of a landmine that's embedded in this process. You know, one thing that, that Governor Dalrymple said during his State of the State address is that he wanted to stop the property tax buy-downs, which I think is great. I think that was probably ill-advised policy to begin with. But you just mentioned a moment ago, you know, we had those, you know, buy-downs of, of local services or, or takeover of local services. How does the state reduce its spending at the local level without making property taxes go through the roof? 
Yeah, and I mean, and, and that'll be a policy decision we'll have to make. Do we continue the 12% buy-down? Do we not? Do we do the social services takeover, which is a state mandate on counties, the local political subdivisions? Um, and the theory behind that proposal is you eliminate the mills from code, so they cannot uh, levy that mill. You know, and it's up to 20 mills. Not all counties have it, but that's the max they can levy. And those permanently go away. So that's the argument for that type of uh, bill. Uh, the argument against it is we don't want to go down that road because it's unsustainable. 701-293-9000, if you want to join the program. Uh, we, uh, I, I want to switch gears here a little bit. I want to talk about your oil spills legislation. Um what you're what you are proposing is that the state of North Dakota and obviously oil spills have been something uh, they've gotten a lot of attention. We just came through uh, you know last year where we had all the pipeline protests. Um, you know oil, oil spills are a big deal uh, and North Dakota reports a lot of them and so I, I guess what, what what you're saying is let's report fewer oil spills and I think at face value a lot of people are going to hear that. And, and maybe freak out a little bit. So explain to us, what, what is it you're trying to do? Well, right now, if you're an oil company or a transportation company and you spill a cup of oil, a cup of fresh water, a cup of uh, salt water, you're, you're required. It's a zero, uh, zero uh, barrels reporting, which is ridiculous if you think about it. The federal government requirement is 10 barrels. So why are we 10 times you know, more restrictive? Uh, Oklahoma's 10 barrels. So what this would do is put state law on par with the Fed, federal law, and this only includes on pad. So the well pads are designed uh, for spill. Uh, you know, it, it, there's no environmental impact for the most part if it's on a well pad because there's berms, there's mats, there's liners. Uh, I mean, they're well designed. So why are we reporting these uh, spills? And I'll give you some data here of the there's two two buckets. There's the oil field database and the general database. In the oil field database for spill reporting in 16, 2016, there was um, 1,500, or excuse me, 1,245 spills reported. Um, 907 of those were less than 10 barrels. So 72% of the spills on pad were less than 10 barrels. Well, it's a, it's a colossal waste of uh, money, I think, because you obviously you got to file the report. The health department's got to follow up on it. Um, there's staff time involved there. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It's it's on pat. Who cares? It has no impact on uh, the environment. I I think that's right. And also, uh, we use this data to make public policy, right? I mean, when we have debates about oil development when we have debates about pipelines and, and everything else that goes into this industry uh the, the number of spilled and, and rightfully so the number of spills and the amount of oil spilled is a big part of that debate and i think it could be misleading if we're including a bunch of spills that a wouldn't be reported at the federal level wouldn't even be part of the the mix of the, the federal level and b have have no environmental impact i think those are important things to remember uh let's see we have a caller kathy's got a couple of questions go ahead kathy I know you had mentioned cutting like a thousand state employees or that would be a good fix, but what agencies have that many employees that you can cut 1,000 and not have an effect on services? I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, well, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of the big ones. Uh, and, 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 and to be clear, you're, you're, not, 
you're, you're not talking about cutting a thousand from like one agency. You're talking about a thousand no, throughout no, no. state government. No, 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 no. In in the governor Dalrymple's budget, uh, you know, he was around four hundred, five hundred, and some. I think is what it was. Uh, so this is, you know, going further, obviously, but um, and you're talking a lot of unfilled positions. They're FTE, so it doesn't mean that there's a person working in every one of those positions. So, I mean, you would assume almost three, 400 of them probably aren't even filled right now. Uh, higher Ed's got thousands and thousands of uh, employees. Uh, Department of Human Services has got 2,200. So, I mean, we're not talking massive cuts in some of these agencies you can take 75 people out of human services or, or 100 i would argue and you can take two three four five hundred out of higher ed i mean there's plenty of room to reduce uh some of these agencies oil and gas for example uh they don't uh, it, there's a lot less activity there's no reason you couldn't take 15 or 20 out of oil you know so i mean there's room to to do this and what's the other option i mean you have to cut costs and there's going to be pain. It's just that simple. It's simple math. 701-293-9000, If you want to join the program, email talk at WDAY.com. Well, Roscoe, thanks for your time today. Certainly appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Mike. State Representative Roscoe Striley. More to come straight ahead on the Rob Report. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port here on WDAY, 701-293-9000, I think this oil spills legislation is going to be, there's going to be a lot of debate about this. And I, I think what what people are going to hate about it is, I mean, you, you heard what Representative Striley said. We're talking about over 70% of bill spills that were 10 barrels or less. Um, or that were, wait, what was it? Yeah, oh, 70, 70% of spills that were under 10 barrels. So under his legislation, as long as those spills under 10 barrels aren't getting off the pad, you know, they're contained, which means they're not having an environmental impact, they're not going to get reported. And, you know, or at least they're not going to get recorded as, you know, a official part of the official statistic. And I, I think that is going to drive some of the some of the environmental activists nuts because it's gonna it's gonna sort of deny them that great big number that they've been using for spills that frankly i think is a little bit misleading um it's gonna deny them that right because i mean how, how many times have we seen that you know just sort of splashed in the headlines all all these thousands of spills over the years well a very very large percentage of those spills had zero environmental impact because they were tiny and they were contained and representative striley's bill is going to take those out because you know again i don't think we need to waste time reporting things that aren't important right i i don't think it's important if 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 they spill less than 10 barrels and it's contained i don't really think that that's something that needs to be immediately reported to the public and contained in statistics or, or maybe I mean, if we need to compromise on this legislation, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we do a separate reporting, report that in a separate category. But treating all, all oil spills as though they're the same is misleading, and and I think it's misleading in a way that environmental activists like, that anti-oil people like, because it exaggerates the situation. 
But I don't think that sound public policy is served by exaggerated data. We should want the data on what we're really concerned about, which is oil spills that impact the environment, oil spills that damage the environment. That's we. That's what we want to know. How often is that happening? That's what we need to be focused on. It's going to be an interesting debate. Hey, uh, I'll be back next week, of course, Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. right here on WDAY. We're 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Jay Thomas Show, coming up next. Don't go away. North Carolina, staring up the road and pray to God I see headlights. I made it down the coast in 17 hours, picking me a bouquet dogwood flowers, and I'm hoping for Riley I can see my baby tonight.